God, I pray that our time together now would make a difference in our lives so that we might make a difference in the lives of people that we come in contact with, for there are far too many people dying without Jesus. And so, Lord, change us that we might make a difference in this world, in this time in which you have placed us. In Jesus' name, amen. I had a unique opportunity on Friday, was invited to go to one of our members' homes. It was a year ago that her husband passed away almost to the day and so said on that first anniversary I wanted to invite people to come over and just share stories about his life and I thought what a wonderful tradition I've never seen that of all the funerals and memorial services I've done and been a part of of families as they've lost lost loved ones I've never been invited a year later to come back and intentionally celebrate somebody's life and I was intrigued by that so I, I went over to their house and we were sharing stories and because it was my day off on Friday I had some time to reflect on that encounter. And I thought, what a wonderful tradition that is. But I wonder, like, how long that would go on. Because at some point, people stop remembering who you are. I don't know how long that's going to take when, when I die, but it won't be that long, I would imagine. But I, I was thinking in my mind, like, what happens 100 years from now? So 2119, I'll be long gone uh, by that point, but a hundred years from now, am I just going to be like some of my great-grandparents that have gone before? I'm not sure I could pick them out of a lineup, my great-grandparents. I never met any of them. I've seen some pictures. I'm not even sure I know all of their names of those people that lived a hundred years ago. And I know a hundred years from now, uh, that will be said of me and, and my generation. And so we live uh, with this complexity in our mind that God has placed eternity in our hearts and we're not really sure what to do with that. And, and so what we want to do as we kick off this series is encourage us maybe to think about our lives a little differently and, and live intentionally and, and to make a difference with the life that God has given to us. Because most of us don't have the name recognition where we are going to be remembered 100 years from now, but we all have the same calling on our life to make a difference in the world. Now, if your name was George Washington, you were the first president of the United States, um, you have name recognition and people know him 100 years from now. And I, I love history and having read a few of his biographies, there was this great quote that I came across that I loved. He wrote this to a pastor named Samuel. He said, um, the, the man must be bad indeed who can look upon the events of the American Revolution without feeling the warmest gratitude toward the great author of the universe whose divine interposition was so frequently manifested in our behalf. And it is my earnest prayer that we may so conduct ourselves as to merit a continuance of those blessings with which we have hitherto been favored. George Washington, who survived the American Revolution and battle after battle, and by anybody's estimation, certainly succeeded well in life, uh, went a step beyond that to not only survive and to succeed, but to live a life of significance. And a lot of what we enjoy in our country today is uh, because of the work and his heart and his spirit and the way he lived his life. And now we have the opportunity to do the same thing. And so what I want to do today is challenge you to think, because I think there are three different ways that we can live our lives. 
We can live our lives to survive. And, and this is where uh, some people find them. And this is why I'm so glad we partner with Mansfield Mission Center, not only with those connection cards, it's part of our mission budget that we support, the work that they do, because they come alongside families who are going through crisis and are just trying to survive. And I'm so glad that we're a part of that and we do that. That's a wonderful gift that we give. But I think a lot of us who are sitting here today, we've, we've gotten past. We're okay on the survival thing. We can check that one off the box. We don't have to live for survival because we're well taken care of. But I also know that there may be some people in here that feel like that's all I'm doing. I'm just trying to survive with each passing day. And my home life is a wreck. My job is a disaster. I don't know what's going on. I'm not sure I even want to be around much longer. And, and if that is you today, let me please urge you, don't leave without talking to somebody today. Go to our connection counter. They'll find somebody, one of our elders on duty, get one of our pastors. Um, members here would love to sit down and talk with you. We've got a whole wheel of caring, a whole team of people that want to do nothing else but to come alongside people and help people when they're in a crisis like this so they can not just survive but get through that and they don't have to do it alone. So if that's you today, please hear me. Don't, go through, uh, don't walk through the doors without talking to somebody about what you're going through because we want to help you and come alongside you and, and get you past surviving. Because after surviving um, and after just getting through and living for survival, um, there's success. And a lot of people live for success. And success isn't a bad thing in itself. It's just that when we stop there, it becomes all about us. Because what is success rather than really just selfishness where it's all about me and I'm just gathering things for myself. And, and so there's a step beyond, I think, where God wants us to go. And that's not just to survive, not just to succeed, but to live for significance. And, and this is what this series is about, to make a difference, to live a life of significance. And this is what we believe that God is calling us to do. And so what I want to do today is take uh, just a verse from a book that Paul wrote to a young pastor named Titus. And it's the, the very end of the book. And very often it's the closing remarks. And even in here he talks about it. This is where I'm going to winter for a while. And if you could come visit me here and make sure you send so-and-so and tell them I said hello. And often we go into speed reading at that moment. But I was so caught by this in my reading several months ago that it jumped out at me, and I want to hopefully have this jump out at you. Look at verse 14 in Titus chapter 3. It says this, Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for their urgent needs, those that are in survival mode, to provide for the urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. The word there is really unfruitful not live unproductive or unfruitful kind of lives. And I don't think any of us got up this morning and none of us have a goal in life. A hundred years from now, I hope I'm remembered for being completely unproductive with the life that I have. Like nobody sets out to do that, but yet I think so many fall into that camp where they find themselves at the end of their life going, I'm not sure my life had any meaning or significance or purpose behind that. And that's where we want to move people to today because there really is a choice that you get to make. There's a decision that you need to do, and the decision is this, which direction do I wanna go? Do I wanna just chase after success, or, or do I wanna move toward significance? Well, it's an easy choice, uh, except most people don't go toward significance, they go after success. So just briefly, just take a moment and go down the success track, and what causes people to go down that road? 
And I think there are three things. Uh, a scarcity model, that somehow there's not enough for everybody. So my life needs to be about accumulating stuff uh, for me. That's what I, I want to do. And if you grew up with brothers and sisters, as I did, um, we all have to wrestle with this as children at some point because we see our brothers or sisters and they're around parents and parents are helping them or spending time with them or playing with them. And, and somehow in our mind, we think, well, that's not fair because they need to be playing with me because they're loving my brother and sister more than they're loving me and there's not enough love to go around and I'm going to be missing out. If they get some, that means I don't get any of that love and we have this assumption that like love is not or some kind of zero-sum game, that there's only so much of our parents' love to go around. And so part of that, we grow up out of that, hopefully, and we realize that we don't have to live our lives with a scarcity model, that there's enough um, to go around. Well, another one is, is a lack of trust. And, and this is one of the benefits of getting older, because the older you get, you have this thing called perspective. And, and you've seen God come through in times past. And I'm now getting to that age where I've, I've seen God time and time again come through and provide for me in miraculous kind of ways, in just really cool kind of ways, like, oh, wow, isn't that neat that God did that kind of way? It's fun to be able to look back and see that. One of my favorite uh, things, and I've got a herniated disc in my lower back, L5, um, yeah, S1. Um, in my lower back. And, and so years and years ago, when I was living in Florida, I was in just a ton of pain. It had gotten so bad and nothing else they could do. Therapy, they did all the shots. And finally, they're like, surgery is your only option. We've, and we can do several routes of surgery, but that's what you need to do. I'm like, I don't want surgery. And I'll just put up with it and maybe some pain pills will help. And, and I thought I was masking it pretty well. You know, you'd guy and sort of tough it up, but everybody knew I was miserable. And, and so fast forward to Thanksgiving and it's Thanksgiving weekend, Sunday, and I preached that weekend and we invited all of uh, the kids in the community and said, if you want to drop off your kids, you can go Christmas shopping and we're going to do some service projects with kids. And so we had uh, like 80, 100 uh, elementary school kids um, just filling the campus and we're doing all these service projects. At the very end, we bring them all up and we're going to pray over them before we take them out into the community and give them away. And, and we have them in there and one of our key volunteers who was there said, I don't know if a lot of you know, but Pastor John, he's got a really bad back and it's really, he's in a lot of pain. And you, would you mind praying for him and can we all gather around and pray for him and put a chair right in the middle of the sanctuary and kids all gather around I'm like oh no this is not gonna be good and they gather around they're jumping on my leg and on my shoulders and and I'm like oh this is not feeling and and the heartfelt prayers just like bring tears to your eyes through the pain I'm like oh this is really sweet as they're praying please heal his back well get off my back that might help that might be a <laughs> good start on healing the back and just cute and like anybody who wants to pray go ahead and so almost I think 80 of them prayed because it went on for a long, long time, and then finally got up, and it's like you finished that kind of prayer, and I wanted to jump up from the chair, uh, but man, I couldn't move from the chair. I'm like, oh, thank you. I feel so much better. Thank you, guys. That was great. Thank you for praying, and I went home, and I couldn't sleep. I was miserable, so the first thing in the morning, I called the doctor. I'm like, we've got to schedule surgery. He's like, well, yeah, but we're like several months out of scheduling surgery, so I called my primary doctor. I'm like, man, is there anything else we can do, and he's like, well, we can admit you to the hospital. That might be a good thing to do, because then they have to look at you, and they'll have to do surgery, and they'll just move it up. I'm like, whatever you got to do, man, admit me. And so we went into the hospital and that key volunteer came over to see me and, and said, isn't that great that God answered those kids' prayers? <laughs> like, I, I don't know if you noticed, I'm in a hospital gown and um, they're scheduling surgery at the moment, so I'll probably have that tomorrow. I'm not sure God heard that. And she goes, well, what did, what did the kids pray for? I'm like, well, they prayed for healing. Well, what are they doing tomorrow? Surgery. Why are they doing surgery? For healing. 
She goes, how, how long have you been putting up with this? I'm like, yeah, it's been months. And she goes, yeah, isn't that great that God heard the prayers of those kids to finally get you in enough pain where you were willing to do? <laughs> so you have those perspective moments when you get older, like, oh, I can learn. God is trustworthy. I can learn to trust him. And then the last one, the reason a lot of people choose, is just selfishness. And we all deal with selfishness on, on some level. And we all want everything for, for ourselves and, and to do that as well. All right, I'm going to take a break and blow these out now because otherwise we're going to have a mess to clean up. You're over 50. I didn't know you could. Uh, whoa. <laughs> Thanks. Oh. Oh. I have learned. There's a little, uh, yeah, I guess I can tell you a little side story on that. I love making these for um, uh, mission trips. I've done this before with, with kids, and, and this is always the issue. And, and we're in a brand new um, facility, and they said, well, if you're using candles, like, just be very careful, because we just got this brand new bright red carpet, you know what I'm talking about, those kind of things. And I'm like, oh, no problem. And we put tarp out and had it all laid out. It was grateful. We had this beautiful spiritual moment with, you know, 150 high school kids, and they're all praying, and, sit, and they all leave, and I'm sort of sitting up here and, and praying, and I start hearing the wax drip. I'm like, oh, it's a good thing we put tarp down. And then I looked down, and because the kids were walking up and lighting the candles, they'd kick the tarp out of the way. And on the brand new red carpet kind of stuff, I'm like, I'm a dead man. Like that's. <laughs> and so in the morning, the administrator comes in. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Whatever it costs to replace the carpet, I know you just put this in here, but I, I like, whatever. I'm so sorry. And, and so call a carpet guy, and the guy comes in here. I'm like, whatever it costs, I'm paying for it. I'm the one who. And he's like, okay, hold on. And, and like within few minutes he comes out he's like I, I got it all fixed I'm like what do you mean you got it fixed he's like yeah, I was able to get it up with just a light iron and a paper bag if you want to know the trick by the way it's a really cool thing to be able to do we'll be doing that I'm sure um, tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> really really good thing to do so let's see where where was I so oh selfish, <laughs> selfishness thank you for going to the next slide so we're moving our, our picture. So where, you know, how do you move then towards, if we don't want to go down the success track, how do we move and turn to significance? And, and I got just three things really quickly I'll share with you. And the first is this. Acknowledge that everything is his. And I'm just a manager. And I'm just a manager of everything that he has. One of the things I love doing on Saturday night before I preach, I'll go through my sermon a couple of times and, and then I pull out my iPad and I'll pull up the song that we're gonna sing for a confessional song because I'll go through the confession and what I wanna say and, and then lead into the song and, and, and so I'll play that once or twice and, and so you know, I had the outline, it's, it's how great is our God that we just sang a few minutes ago and I'm like, oh, I know that song. I don't need to play that song. I know it in my head. I could sing it, got it. I think I'm in tune and, and there's those moments you ever had where the spirit of God just compels you to do something. I'm like, just play. It. And so I, I play How Great Is Our God. I'm like, oh yeah, that's beautiful. I love the song. I know the song and I'm playing it. And, and then, you know, on the side, when you type in How Great Is Our God, you, you see other things with How Great Is Our God. And on there was uh, Pastor Louis Giglio's talk on How Great Is Our God. And if you've never seen it before, I've got the DVD at home, uh, but it's a phenomenal message, like 45 minutes, just incredible. And a piece of that message is I'm watching this 45-minute video going, why am I watching this again? And, and as he got into this section I'd forgotten about, he brings behind him a huge screen behind him and brings up the earth. And just, you know, majestic, this ball sitting in space kind of thing. And wow, isn't this great? And God created this. And then you think that's significant, but then let's put that next to the sun, and you see how small the earth gets compared to the sun, and you feel a little less significant in that moment. And he said, well, that's our 
uh, that's our star, that's our sun in our solar system, but there are other stars in the galaxies and the universes, and, and we'll pull out a few more stars, and he pulls out the next biggest star, and it dwarfs the sun, and so now the earth is like a speck, and, and here's another star, even bigger than that one, and it dwarfs the next one after that, and the sun is now just a speck on there. You can't even see the earth anymore, and it goes on and on, and you just realize, wow, how great, man, is our God. And how is it that we can feel like, wow, I'm so significant. God, I don't know how you get around without me and what I do. (laughs) You must need me for everything. And God created the universe to declare, I'm really not in need of anything from anybody. (laughs) I'm God. I just spoke the world into existence, and it is mind-blowing and complex to understand. And when we get that in our mind, it is so freeing because I don't have to do anything for God. I I just get to be a part of of this, and I realize that I'm just holding just a tiny little infinitesimal piece of, of what he has created, and he's given to me as a gift, and I get to be a steward of that, and I get to be a part of his story. Look at at Psalm uh, 50. If you got your Bibles, I love this psalm. I have no need of a bull from your stall or goats from your pens. And I imagine somewhere when they were offering sacrifices and they're bringing their goats, well, I got to go sacrifice a a bull to God. God must need my bull. And let me go do my dutiful duty and go sacrifice. And, And finally, God deals with their heart issue. I don't need anything from you. For every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountain, and the insects in the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine, and all that is in it. And that's our God. He doesn't need anything from us. We're just stewards of that, just managers of that, and to keep that into perspective. And so the second thing that we can do is to know that I'm a work in progress. I'm just a work in progress. None of us are, are done yet. I don't have the perspective I need to. And I needed that video last night, just yet another reminder of the greatness of our God and whom we worship and how thankful I am that God could use somebody insignificant like me to know who he is. And God just gives me a glimpse of his glory so that I can be a part of his kingdom building process. And I'm still a work in progress. I love what Paul wrote to Titus in chapter 2. It says, Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. This is the work that God is doing. He's changing our hearts so that we're eager to do what's good, not that we're serving out of guilt or obligation. God, I want to make a difference in this world. I want to do something with this life that you've given to me. I realize how small I am, and you don't need me to do anything, but I want to be a part of your kingdom building, and so God, draw me into your presence. I don't know if you've ever just stopped to ask why. And with, you know, this cross here, um, you know, cross up up there, sometimes I, I just... Why, God? Who who am I? You you didn't have to be born in this world, be born of a, a woman, be completely dependent on the creation that you made, but you chose to. You did that intentionally. 
And you didn't have to uh, grow up in this broken and sinful world where people just could care less about you and your kingdom and just want to serve themselves and gather stuff for themselves and just be all about their own success. But, but you chose to live in this world. You didn't have to be tempted in every way like we are, but you chose to be tempted in that way. You didn't have to go hungry. You could have turned stones into bread. You chose to go hungry. You didn't have to go to the cross, but you chose to. God, why? In the greatness of who you are, you chose to do that. You chose to come and to live and to die and to rise in my place that my life is not just about surviving and getting through life, that my life has a meaning and purpose and my life is significant. Like, why would you do that, God? Because I love you, God says. Because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I've created you for my glory so that people would see me. I made you to live a life of significance. This is why I created you. Which leads us to our, our third point. Ask, God, use me for something greater. I don't just want to go through life and have people say, well, they were successful. God, use me for something greater than successful. Use me for something significant. Not for my name's sake, but, but for your name's sake. Let me go back to Psalm 50. We're going to project verse 5 in just a second, but I, I want to get you sort of warmed up for that like the psalmist did. So listen to these words. The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to where it sets, from Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and will not be silent. A fire devours before him, and around him a tempest rages. He summons the heavens above and the earth that he may judge his people. And then here's what he says. Gather to me, God says, this consecrated people, these people set apart who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And call those people to me. Why? Because I got something significant for them to do. This is God's great calling on our lives. In your worship folder, there's a card. It's a make a difference card. I want to encourage you to take this uh, with you today. We're going to have them every single week, but take one home with you. Because I want you to intentionally start thinking about some things, thinking about the life that God gave you and what, what am I going to do, God, for your glory with the life we've given you? And so what I want you to do is to wrestle with these. And there may be more questions, but we want you specifically to wrestle with these three questions. First one is, I'm going to give so many hours of my time to serve God and others in 2020. Man, that's my goal. God, I want to make a goal that I'm going to intentionally step in to some people's mess, maybe some people who are just trying to survive, and I'm going to give myself to them so I can come alongside them in their mess and help them to see uh, a way out, to see you in, in what's going on. But I'm going to dedicate so many hours that I'm just going to intentionally ask you, God, whatever you need me to do, I'm available because I've set apart these hours for you to serve you. I want to give these many dollars to further God's kingdom in 2020. I found, unfortunately, so many people, even loving, generous people, have a tendency to put giving on autopilot and have never really stopped and considered, well, what do I really give? Is, is God asking me to give more for that? Is God asking me something different with my resources? 
And so we just want you to be intentional with that and to pray about that, wrestle with that. God, everything I have is yours. I just want to give it for you and for your glory. And then finally, I'm going to use this talent to serve God in 2020. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know, God, how you could use this, but I want to dedicate this to you, and I'm going to do what I can to find ways to use this talent for you and for your glory in 2020. And we intentionally didn't put the boxes up here today because we didn't want you to quickly fill this out and turn it in. Okay, good, I can check that off the box. I'm done. Uh, Because we want you to intentionally think about how am I going to make a difference? We want you to pray. We want you to wrestle. And so starting next week, uh, you can start bringing these cards back. But the boxes will be up here um, next week, uh, the third week of the series, the fourth week of the series, and then we'll culminate it in the... um, Wednesday night Thanksgiving Eve service. You could bring these cards back with you then and say, as part of my Thanksgiving to you, God, for all that you've given to me, uh, here's what I want to do for you. Not because you need it or not because I have to, but because I want to do something significant with my life. I want to make a difference. And here's a phrase I'd just love for you to pray and just consider for the week. I'm yours, God, for your glory. That's why I'm here, God. I'm yours. You've called me to be your very, I'm your child. God, I'm here for you and for your glory. And maybe make that even a little more personal. God, I'm, I'm his. I'm the king of kings and lord of lords. I belong to him. I'm his for his glory.